Ding dong. Hello. Hello. Hello, Hello, funky listeners. It's funk radio. (laughs) I don't know why I started by saying ding dong. (laughs) We've talked about some upcoming topics recently. We mentioned a chiptune music one that we want to do, but then you want to tell the listeners what happened? Yeah. um, Apparently, in me researching about chiptune music, I had this uh, horrible deja vu, like I had talked about this before. And so I went to our site, getyourfunk.com, where you can find all of our current and previous funk episodes. Like we always tell the listeners to do every episode, I didn't do that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So I went to the site and I uh, searched chiptune. And lo and behold, back in 2018, we did actually do an episode on chiptune music. Mm -hmm. So had I not caught myself, we would have literally done... Uh, recap episode. <laughs> I I find this whole thing. Fu- well, first of all, I will say that I was completely with you that on that. I had no idea that we did that episode, but I think it's funny that not only are we always telling people to go search for stuff, but then now it's helping us remember what episodes we've done. Yeah, we've so. actually done so many episodes that we forgot what episodes we did, and we're starting to rehash the same ideas. We've become the Simpsons, uh, apparently. Anyway, so listeners. You can go to getyourfunk.com and look for whatever you want. I'm not going to guarantee that we have anything you want, but you can look for it. <laughs> so so obviously we, we're not going to do that one again. But um, this topic actually that we're going to do today is one that I, I was just starting to search around for topics like this yesterday and then came upon this story and I found it pretty interesting. So thought we uh, thought we could jump into this. Uh, this is a d- disappearance investigative sort of story. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done one like we've done a couple that we explored like the story of like certain singers being killed and whatever uh, yeah. a couple times. But we've never done one like this, and I find the concept kind of interesting. So hopefully this one goes over well. So the guy we're going to talk about today is a uh, folk rock singer named Jim Sullivan. Now, if you've never heard of him before, it's that shouldn't be too surprising um, because. He never really made it big in the music scene. He never really had an opportunity to. We're going we're gonna to get into a little bit of like his early career and uh, the, the music that he made and then getting into some mysterious circumstances that cross paths with his life. So. Mm. Um, so like I said, he was a folk rock singer, songwriter, and guitarist in the 1960s and 70s. And obviously he was alive earlier than that, but that's when he was like starting to release his music. Mm-hmm. He was actually born in Nebraska in 1939. He was the seventh son in a working class family. He took a lot of inspiration from watching blues groups practice their music when he was young. And so after he'd watched these, you know, uh, blues musicians, he would go home and try his hardest to replicate that sound himself. He recounted that as the years went on and he refined his style, it got more... He said it, quote, got louder. It started to become more geared toward uh, rock music in addition to kind of like that blues influence as well. Mm-hmm. I, I read that he was a quarterback in high school and he married the homecoming queen. Um, so he, he sounds uh, like the most American white man ever. That's folk music for you. <laughs> so he eventually um, he and his wife eventually moved to Los Angeles so that he could pursue his music career. The first uh, year, I guess it's important in this story, is 1969. 
He released his first de- he's, his debut album called UFO, which received very little fanfare or attention. The musical style of this album is described as psychedelic folk and explores themes of extraterrestrials. And some of the songs talk about like wandering man and that, that whole sort of theme that you get from this sort of music. Um, I was actually listening to this album before we hopped on the call and I didn't, I, not that I'm really like a connoisseur of this genre of music, so I can't really label it very well, but I didn't really catch the psychedelic aspects of it, but someone who's more familiar with it might be like, oh yeah, that's classic. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so I read, I found an article from ultimateclassicrock.com, one, one of the sources I was using to explore this story a bit. Kyle, would you like to read this quote? Sure. By 1969, Sullivan had become a local celebrity at The Raft, a bar in Malibu where his fans included several Hollywood film folks. Sullivan appeared in a cameo in the film Easy Rider, and his backers, recognizing his talent, put up the cash to record UFO. The session musicians were members of the Wrecking Crew, who had backed the Beach Boys, Simon and Garfunkel, and other stars on many hits. They included keyboardist Don Randy, drummer Earl Palmer, and bassist Jimmy Bond, who also produced and arranged Sullivan's album, which was issued on Monty Records. So yeah, um, I found it pretty interesting that this, um, more or less, it almost felt like this was a group of friends who got together to help him put out this album, which I thought was kind of endearing in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, he had befriended all these people. Now they're like, hey, we want to help you be successful. And you had mentioned Bonnie Records at the end of that. So that was actually the name of a record label that his friend and actor Al Dobbs created in order to publish this album. Huh. So he really had uh, he had, he had some good friends who were yeah. going to help him out. Um, so let's listen to a clip of the title track UFO so you listeners can get a sense for his musical style. Chicken like a leaf on the desert heat His daddy's got a bang that's so hard to beat I bought me a ticket, got a front row seat I'm checking out the show With a glass of eye Looking at the sun dancing through the sky Did he come? This does sound very late 60s, early 70s folk rock. Mm-hmm. Like America or something. Yeah, I was... His style gives... I get a lot of, like... America horse with no name sort of vibes um, from his music. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I was surprised how delightful this song was. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So uh, it, it's a good step. So obviously he had a lot of talent and you know, this isn't a genre of music that I go out of my way to listen to, but I have enjoyed everything I've heard by him. Mm-hmm. So like we said, you know, he had all these uh, friends, he had good connections and they published this album um, in 1969, but unfortunately, despite a lot of people saying like, oh, he sounds like this person or that person, it, he never seemed to create a big name for himself. Mm. So, you know, despite the album not really going anywhere, he continued to perform at The Raft um, and other clubs in the following years. But, you know, because of this, uh, the failure of this album, he and his family were starting to fall in hard times. Um, I, he, I was reading that he and his wife were having some marital issues and he had also developed a drinking problem. Hmm. So a few years later in 1972, uh, Jim Sullivan released his second album 
called Jim Sullivan. Pretty creative title. Um, I always wonder why, because like, you know, it's not uncommon for bands or musicians to name an album after themselves. Mm-hmm. I always wonder why they do it with like their second or third album rather than their first one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. So this is this is interesting. I, I didn't know about this. So Hugh Hefner had actually recently formed Playboy Records. I had never heard that that was a thing before. Me either. And so this this new record label invited Sullivan to basically work with them to release his next album. So similar to his previous work, the music's style is kind of a mix between folk and rock and roll music. But similar to the last album, it didn't really get a lot of attention. Um, and something I was reading, a big reason for this was that record stores weren't really sure like what to do with a Playboy record. Um, I think just because of the notoriety of the name. Mm. I got the impression maybe they just weren't comfortable selling records with it, or at least like promoting it in the store window. Um, yeah. Th- that was kind of a bad stroke of luck for him because like he got a record label who was like, Hey, we want to publish your music, but then it happened to be Hugh Hefner, and, you know? And so that obviously was not good luck for him. Jim Sullivan's son many years later recounted um, that quote, the playboy record marked the dissolution of our family. It was made with care and love and quality, but no one was buying it. Kind of a sad story for, for him and his family. Yeah. I, I had read that his wife named Barbara was the actually the breadwinner of the family. So, you know, given given the times and given the fact that I'm sure he wanted to be successful, obviously, with his music, and I'm sure his family wanted him to be too, th- this whole mix of factors, I'm sure, was, um, you know, not easy on them. Yeah. So a couple of years after that second album came out, you know, at this point, he hadn't really released any more music. But, you know, the failure of these two albums was still weighing on his shoulders. And so, you know, the the, the next um, kind of moments that we get to in, in the timeline of his life are in March of 1975. Um, so at this point, um, Jim decided that he needed to make things right for his family, you know, regarding all of this. One of the articles I was reading said, quote, that prompted Sullivan to pack his Volkswagen Beetle with a plan to find work in Nashville. He promised his wife Barbara and son Chris that they would join him when he earned some money. That was kind of like a hotbed for, you know, the music industry. And so he was hoping, well, if L.A. doesn't have success for me, hopefully that will. Mm-hmm. So Sullivan left Los Angeles on March 4th, 1975. And uh, the next day on March 5th, he, his uh, wife Barbara got a phone call from him. Kyle, do you want to read this quote from her? Yeah. She said that, quote, he said he called to let me know that he was all right. And since he had just left the day before, I had no reason to think otherwise and was a little startled by his remark. I asked him where he was. He said, Santa Rosa, New Mexico. I'll probably be leaving here tomorrow. I asked why he was waiting. And he said, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. I said, Jim... What's the matter? Is anything wrong? And he said, forget it. Just forget I said anything. I'll call you from Nashville. So that's pretty freaking weird. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, I, I think that worried her a little bit. Um, unbeknownst to her, actually, earlier that same day, um, before they had this phone call, Jim had been pulled over um, by the police while he was driving on suspicion of driving under the influence. So they gave him a sobriety test and he passed it. So they let him go. And so after that, he went and checked into the La Mesa Motel in Santa Rosa, New Mexico. Apparently after that, at some point that same day, he stopped by the liquor store 
bought some vodka and then drove around town. So that's all we kind of know about March 5th. Now the next day on so the, the the details after this are kind of fuzzy. But for what I could piece together on March 6th that next day, the next time Jim Sullivan was seen, uh, he was seen about 26 miles southeast of the city on a private ranch in the middle of nowhere. And the ranch was owned by the Gennetti family. And now there, there's a couple of different reports about how they interacted with him when they figured out he was on their property. Mm-hmm. I think I didn't write it down, but I think one of the versions was they went up to him and were like, hey, are you OK? And he's like, yeah, are you? And then he walked away. And another version, he actually went up to the house and knocked on the door. But in that version, Mrs. Janetti only spoke Italian, so he didn't understand what she was saying, and he left. Huh. So there's kind of these different versions. I, I don't really know who gave these accounts, but any regardless, it's a little fuzzy about what actually happened there. I also saw that well, apparently, I think it was one of the ranch hands on this ranch, um, a guy named Pete Cena. Um, actually mm-hmm. offered to give Jim a ride back to town, but I, it seems like he declined or refused or whatever, and uh, he walked off, and then after that, he was never seen again. So, you know, within the next day or so, the police found his Volkswagen Beetle on the property and searched it. I guess the, the car was locked, the engine was dead, um, and a bunch of things were left in the car, including Jim's wallet, his guitar, his clothes, and a box of copies of his two albums. And the inclusion of the guitar there was especially strange because his friend Al Dobbs said, quote, when I heard that, I knew he wasn't coming back. No matter what, Jim would have never left his guitar. Mm. So by March 8th, um, his car had been impounded. The The police investigated his disappearance, you know, around town, obviously, but they weren't really able to turn up any clues as to where he might have gone. And the the only things they found was that they so they went to the, his hotel room where he had been staying, and mm-hmm. the strange things he found were that um, his room key was inside the room, and they could tell that the bed had not been slept in. That's weird. Despite him having been there overnight, so it seems likely that he was probably driving around or wandering around all night. It's I couldn't really figure out when exactly, but at some point I think in the next few weeks. Police did find a decomposed body buried in a remote area eight miles west of Las Cruces, New Mexico. The man appeared to have been dead less than a month, and he bore many similarities to Jim Sullivan. So the Santa Rosa police chief, Joe Eddie Martinez, went there to inspect the body, and then he said while it was very similar to Jim, it wasn't him. And that's really kind of where this story leaves off. They're like, there really isn't anything else they ever found. That's pretty sketch. Yeah. So there's a number of theories about what might have happened to him. And I, I guess we can kind of go through these and discuss the likelihood or lack thereof of some of these. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been going on ever, really ever since he first disappeared. Um, so one of the theories is that he was abducted by aliens. <laughs> this is for a couple of reasons. One being that um, obviously like his first album was called UFO and kind of had those themes of aliens and all that. But also, you know, a lot of people know that like Roswell, New Mexico is known for being like the epicenter of the world of like alien conspiracies and all that. So a, a lot of people, I don't I don't know how some, how serious a lot of those people are, but th- that is one of the primary <laughs> theories about what happened to him. Being more grounded, if you will. Um, some people think that he might have committed suicide. You know, we were talking about how much uh, troubles he was having at home. Yeah. 
And a quote I saw in one of the articles said, friends didn't view Sullivan as suicidal despite his hardships. So it's like, I don't know. What do you think about that? Because like, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, but I mean, when it comes to depression and suicidal thoughts, sometimes on the outside, you can seem cheery and friendly and you and your closest friends could not know. So, yeah, that's a good point. Especially considering some of the, the hardships he had yeah. in life as far as, you know, getting any sort of success off the ground. Yeah. And it, it's, um, th- I mean, this one seems like one of the more plausible outcomes of this. Um, some people think that he might've been murdered. I didn't get a clear view of who they think he was murdered by. Um, the beach boys. Were they scared of him becoming too popular? Exactly. They didn't want him to steal their um, backing band, the wrecking crew. Yeah. <laughs> That's true, which is funny because by this time, I think they were pretty much done. Yeah. <laughs> because that theory totally held water otherwise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was one kind of comment thrown into one of the articles that said there were some rumors about the Genetti family having mafia ties. I personally don't really buy that. T- to me, that feels like people probably heard this story over the years and were like, hey, that's an Italian name. Maybe they use their their ties to you know murder him which which, i don't know that to me that doesn't really make any sense and i didn't really i haven't found any other theories about who killed him like i don't like i don't know if like maybe he was hard on money and someone came after him or if just some crazy person in the new mexico desert found him yeah i don't know i i i would be pretty surprised if it was a murder um, yeah, that's, I mean, unless he just pissed off a random psychopath or serial killer. Which seems unlikely considering he was basically in the middle of nowhere. And then another theory is that he just simply got lost. And now, based on his behavior, um, it seems like he was pretty likely drunk, if not also doing some drugs, perhaps. Um, yeah. That's speculation, obviously, but it seems like that. Seems fairly likely. Personally, I, I think this is probably what happened, is that he was just, he was drunk, he was depressed, and perhaps he got lost and died out in the wilderness. Either that or he killed himself. But th- that doesn't really explain where his body ended up. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the that's the most, I guess, mysterious part of this whole story, is that his body just never turned up, so they never figured out what happened. Yeah, and if you think like, oh, maybe he went and, you know, died somewhere and then, you know, animals got him, there would still be remnants, though. Like, they would still be able to find stuff, but they didn't find anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, were there even footprints leading to or from his car that they found or that they could track? I mean, it is the <sighs> desert. I don't know. I I, I mean, they, you know, they, the, really the last time they had seen him were when these people tried to talk to him after he had already abandoned his car at that point, but... Beyond that, like they had nothing, and obviously there was nothing in town. And now a, a, a possibility that I didn't write down, and I didn't. I surprisingly I didn't really read this, but it seems like a possibility that maybe he. This was a case of purposeful disappearance, where he started a new life or something. Yeah, like his name was so tarnished. He's just like, I'm gonna start a new life as a new person, and then. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that theory though, just because like. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, he had the shame of basically not being able to provide for his family and not being successful in his music. But 
it's seems like a weird choice to just reboot your life like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like you could say his name was tarnished, but not really because like the, the whole problem was that like, he never really had a name to begin with in the eyes of audiences around. So like it was, yeah. it wasn't even like, Oh, I made this bad reputation for myself. It's just like, nobody knows who I am. Um, yeah. At, which at that point you don't really need to start a new life because you know, I was going to say, yeah, that's a good point. It's like, if you don't have the fame needed to kind of erase your life, unless you, like you said, maybe people were after him. Yeah. Then, you know, it's not like, Oh, I have a, a notoriety to erase. Yeah. So the, I mean, it really ends here. I mean, the, I, I haven't seen any theories beyond that. And it's always weird to me when there's just like no clues or no trace after that. Yeah. Cause you'd think they would yeah. have found something. Exactly. In the uh, in the off chance that he's still alive, maybe he'll listen to this episode and say, "Hey, good on those guys for um, they solved the mystery." <laughs> well, I was gonna say like sharing his name and his music. Um, anyway, so if you have uh, if you have theories about the the whereabouts of uh, of Jim Sullivan, listeners, tell us on Facebook at facebook.com slash get your funk. And as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode, um, if you want to listen to other topics that we've done, uh, go to getyourfunk.com and scroll through all the pages, use the search bar, listen, download. It's all free. It's all fun. It's all funk. So yeah, um, this has been your non-disappeared host, Kyle. And this has been your alien abducted host, Peter. Where did the probes go? Tune in next time, listeners. (laughs) 